0: It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. So, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to a very bright and breezy 8th of uh, December uh the wind has been howling uh it has been gathering momentum. I'm told there's a yellow alert for the valencian community, so I would imagine that um at least it could blow away the crowd uh, the the clouds that might bring us either snow or rain or whatever from this tail end of what's been hit in Britain. let's go around about uh, an hour's drive over the top of the mountains and down in the direction of Alicante. And I should pick up uh, Rob Daniels down in Playa San Juan, if you're still there, or maybe uh, the town has been moved further down by the wind. Uh, Rob, very good morning to you. What's your weather like?
1: Yeah, hi, Vince. Hi, everybody. Um, Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Um, Looking out of the window at the moment... It's very bright, it's nice winter sunshine, but um, the trees are blowing about a lot. There's been a lot of wind over the last few days, hasn't there? Um, And today, it's a public holiday today, which you probably know, the 8th of uh, December. It's the Immaculate Conception, um, which is a public holiday here. Um, There were two... Bank holidays are two public holidays. There's one on Monday as well, which is Constitution Day. So a lot of people, when they could afford to, used to have the, um, the what they call a puente yeah, which is like a, a long weekend. Um, I didn't notice anything around here, but apparently there were quite a lot of Madrilenios down the beach at the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful day. It's just a, It's just a little bit too windy to be enjoyable
0: to go out and have a walk. Okay, Right. Well, we've got um, uh, lots of interesting things to discuss. Later on, of course, we will come to the actual matches that were played at the weekend. Uh, We will be going to the Champions League from last night. We'll be going to look ahead at the matches coming uh, for the next weekend in the Premier League. And Rob will look at La Liga. But before we do that, there are the talking points from the week, which we always try to include this. To make the relevance of football within society, because I, for one, love the game of football, and I now am particularly concerned that I think we're becoming more and more and more politicised, especially watching the games coming from the Premier League in England. Now, uh, you might or might not be aware, uh, as a listener from different parts of the world, but there was a tragic uh, death in England and uh, Birmingham City and Millwall football fans uh, paid tribute, amongst others, of course, to a little boy called Arthur Labinho Hughes. um, And uh, six minutes into the game, uh, proceedings uh, for the football matches were halted in order for everybody to applaud and honour this six-year-old who died in very horrible situation. His um, uh, mother, stepmother, I think it is, and um, the, the, the fella involved, I'm afraid, they don't really deserve the title of being human beings because they treated this poor little boy in such a disgusting way. Um, His father, Thomas Hughes, was convicted of manslaughter and stepmother, Emma Tustin, of murder in connection with the death. So that's the background to what went on. Then, of course, we come to the football and, uh, you know, the game was proceeding and like so many other people, uh, suddenly you wonder what's happening. There's a big screen and a little boy with a blue... I didn't realise at the time a Birmingham City shirt on, and I'm thinking, uh, what's this all about? And then I quickly did relate to the fact um, that people were so, 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 trying, in some way, to show their respect to this poor little boy. Now, let me just also add in here, and and, and I, I don't want to be too sombre, but we have horrible things happening. Every single day of the week. And basically, um, if we really go down the route of what's happening, there is the possibility that um, we'll have people sponsoring the games to do this sort of thing. And we'll have all sorts of ridiculous situations arising. And um, I just want to get Rob's thoughts on what you saw remembering that you tend to be more involved in Spanish football. So my question to you is, would a Spanish football fan understand what that was all about?
1: Um, If it was a a Spanish kid um, who had been murdered by uh, his father and his stepmother, then they would, yes. Um, They'd understand it perfectly. But because it's a, um, a UK story, then... They pro- they probably wouldn't. Al- although um, it was actually shown, um, I-, I saw it in the Aston Villa Leicester City uh, Aston Villa Leicester City match um, because that was a Midlands derby. And this little lad um, Arthur, he-, he was from the Midlands area, wasn't he? He was from somewhere around Birmingham. Yeah. And they stopped in the sixth six minute as well. It was already, obviously, it was pre-planned. Um, one of the players kicked the ball off the pitch um, for a throw-in, just coming up to six minutes. All of the players stopped and all of the crowd on both sides um, gave a round of applause for a minute. And there was a, a big picture of the little lad. I mean, he was a lovely-looking little lad, wasn't he? Um, and what happened to him was absolutely dreadful. But... Um, They normally hold these kind of obituaries before the match kicks off, don't they? Um, And again, that stopped exactly in the sixth minute, which, because he was six years old. I mean, the little lad was six years old. And he had tried to bring it to the attention of the authorities at school and things like that, um, because he wasn't a baby. He sort of understood that he was being tortured and things, but it fell on deaf ears. And unfortunately, he died, and uh, his his father and his stepmother both got very long sentences. Hopefully, they'll never be let out. Um, very tragic situation. But yeah, it was rather unusual, wasn't it? Uh, match stopping at, at six minutes.
0: Okay. And um, no well, then
1: they can then they continued with the match. But um, yeah, okay. Spanish people definitely understand if they understood the context.
0: Okay. Uh, now, look, let let nobody be in doubt that I am. Uh, was furious like other people reading about the treatment of this poor little boy by uh, those parents. Um, I think what my concern is and the, the remit of the podcast is looking at where football sits comfortably or otherwise within society and my reading of the situation was Um, ...endorsed by one of the articles I read in one of the newspapers... ...where the journalist was saying he didn't feel a round of applause was appropriate. Now, I happen to agree with this because, quite frankly, normally we applaud something... ...which um, you you feel, wow, that was great. That's what you applaud for. But I do notice in Spanish society, they do seem to applaud uh, matters of death... I've seen people, you know, applauding when a a hearse arrives outside the church and that sort of thing. So I know we're talking across uh, uh, various cultures here. However, going back to what I read in the newspaper, this particular guy thought that a minute's silence would be far more appropriate. I agree with him with this. I feel that, you know, um, to make the noise of an applause... Uh, is one thing and a very different reaction is when everybody makes the silence that's difficult to do it's not difficult to applaud it is difficult to keep silent and the other thing that I think needs to be discussed is where's this all going to end Because we've gone from taking the knee, which a lot of people are quite concerned that this is to do with a a movement which is um, supposed to be against the police and against various things that we have stood for for many years. I'm talking, of course, of Black Lives Matter. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Everybody's life matters. Um, And then we've gone from there to rainbow shoelaces and then we're going to armbands apparently, at the weekend, which you'll tell us about. Um, I mean, where will this end? Because there's only so much publicity that you can get before you realize that publicity as a, as all marketing uh is trying to affect the way that you are thinking. It tries to manipulate our thought processes. And quite honestly, people go to football matches basically to watch a football match. And I'm not really, I'm not too happy with what was done in the respect of the applause. A moment's silence, yes, I think that would have been more poignant. Okay, your thoughts on what I've said.
1: Well, Vince, I can say exactly where you're coming from with that. Um, I would have thought a minute's silence at the beginning of the match um, with and before the crowd had uh, become a- animated, would have been a lot more appropriate. Um, but because they decided to do it in the sixth minute, because the little lad was six years old, um, and it was and especially the Aston Villa Leicester match. I mean, that was a Midlands derby, and the crowd were absolutely going wild um, from the start. Now, for so many people, on the sixth minute to just um, stop and be quiet for a minute. Would have been impossible, wouldn't it? I mean, the door the, the, a lot of people would have tried to do it, but there's always going to be some idiots in the crowd who uh, carry on singing and shouting and things. So, why they didn't do it at the beginning, um, I really don't know, but um, that was what they did in the sixth minute. Everybody um, gave a round of applause for a minute, and the match continued. The um, wearing of the um, rainbow. Um, armbands and things like that. That, I think, has come from UEFA. It's not just um, the Premier League or the FA. But it's football. The, 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 in, in the, oh, it's football, yes. It's football in general. But I think it's come from UEFA because they were doing it all in La Liga. And apparently it was last weekend, or the last weekend's matches and this weekend's matches um, uh, to promote this um, all-inclusivity kind of business. And the captains, I think they have a choice – but I don't think they're given very much choice, but I think they do officially have a choice. Um, So wearing, instead of a normal captain's armband, they're wearing like a a rainbow-coloured armband. There are various other um, adornments that players can wear if they want, which are all rainbow-coloured. But, um, yeah, I I think this is... It's got nothing to do with football, really, has it?
0: Um, Well, it's propaganda, because quite honestly... Propaganda is when you make everybody do something and the end is to try and uh, propagate some form of uh, social change, if you like, or follow an agenda. It's a propaganda thing. And quite honestly, uh, I would have thought that, you you know, yeah, uh, you'll get an odd footballer who might be One thing or another, but I would imagine that the majority are heterosexual footballers. Now, I think you're highlighting something which will then create more of a problem than it actually solves. I think... A lot of people. I don't know. Maybe it's the age. You see. Maybe because when you're when you're older, you see through uh, bullshit. And this is sorry to use the, the word, but it is absolute bullshit. And when all said and done, you know, uh, how many people will be really looking at people's rainbow laces, or they'll look at the armband, but they'll. I'm not convinced that it does anything other than just irritate. Older people who can see through what's going on. Um, Rob, I'm going to move on um, because basically we do have other things to uh, look at. And I want to get your impression of ladies football in Spain. The reason I want to do this is because we've just had the women's football FA Cup final, um, which, of course, has been a big event. Uh, 20,000 people came along. And as part of the Great Reset, Agenda 2030, which is all going on, um, they don't say it like this, but if you bother to go and read the agenda, you'll see that the ladies are now being pushed to um, become as big a game as the men. Um, I don't really think it's going to work that way, but don't forget we've had decades of men's dominated game. Now, um, what about the... The ladies' football in Spain—it doesn't appear to be that big here. Um, certainly, it's gathering momentum in Britain, uh, in England in particular. We know that it's big in the U.S. because it's bigger than the men's football game. So, what's it like here in Spain?
1: Well, um, in Spain, it is—they have a professional league. Um, they have uh, what's called the Liga Nacional which um, obviously is most of the top teams. Barcelona are the team that have got the uh, biggest, highest record, if you like, of um, titles and things. Um, women's football in Spain was first played, uh, the first recorded match at least, was in 1910. But um, it, it never really got to be very big. They didn't even have a, a, a Royal Spanish Football Federation until 1980 um, for women because it was very, very much a minority sport. They started their first league in 1988, and at the moment, um, let's say Barcelona, I think reigning champions at the moment, it's not being promoted as much on the uh, TV or in the media as it is in the UK. Although in the um, sports papers, and there have been for several years now, there are always like a couple of pages about what's happening in the women's game. uh, yeah, in 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 england at least it seems to be being promoted um
0: possibly too much yeah well let me give you something that i i managed to find um and the headline is spanish government makes women's football professional sorry for injustice this was mar may sorry march the 12th 2021 now uh, i don't know whether you saw it um but um the Spanish government will pay off the historic debt it owes to women's football by designating its top league as professional from next season. Uh, then founded in 1988, now that's not that very uh, not that old, is it? 1988. La Liga Femenina is the top women's football league in this country and is confirmed. It's got 18 teams, yet it does not have the distinction of being professional. And, uh, you know, immediately into this article, notebook, Barca want Aguero, Chelsea right to sack Lampard. Then it goes back. Uh, Rene Lasano, the president of Spain's sports council, said the government is ready to end this injustice. The Spain Sports Council, CSD, is going to designate the Women's Football League as professional for the 2021 season. It cannot be that men's football is professional and yet women's football is still considered non-professional. It has no logic and we are going to put an end to this injustice to improve the conditions of female athletes and strengthen sports structures. Our aim is to have one of the best women's leagues in Europe. And the best way to achieve that is its professionalisation. So there we are. I mean, that's actually um, the sort of thing that's getting into the press. Very, very few people are seeing it. And we don't really see an awful lot of evidence of the ladies game. I don't think I've really... Yes, no, I I tell a lie. Um, I've seen a couple of games uh, where the ladies have been playing... Um, but I think that's about the same amount of games as I've seen the Benjamins or the the, the little ones playing. So um mm. not- they,
1: they they put the they put the international matches on if it's especially if it's a qualifying match. Um but they don't tend to put the league uh, league matches on. And you you're right, I would say, Vince, like the under 21s and in the nineteens, they also put them on when they've got international matches and they probably do get about as much coverage as the uh, as the women. But, um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the Spanish international team, and that's really what, or on TV at least, that is really what they want, isn't it? That's, they, they want to have um, a top national team so that they compete with the likes of uh, the USA, who are, who are streets ahead, aren't they? The USA are streets ahead in women's football. Um, and teams like England and, and Germany also, women, women's football is quite
0: commonplace in Germany. Well, um, they've got a professional women's league there as well. England, of course, recently beat Latvia 20-0. Latvia oh, yeah. have a part-time team. So, I mean, is Spain in a position to quickly say, right, we've got a, a ladies' football team, it's now professional, you can go and play England and get beaten 20 nil. No. I would hope that's not gonna happen. I would also hope that people can see this is another part of everybody being um we're being manipulated. You will like ladies' football. I, I don't have a problem with it, by the way. I like ladies' football. But I don't like manipulation, and so therefore that is really why I thought we'll we'll have a quick look at this because um, you, you know I don't really know whether or not the, uh, the the ladies are taught football in school. I know when I was teaching the um, the girls down at Cornwall College, I was treated like a heretic. I mean, this is around the year say 1993, 94, something like that, um, and I, I mean I I really did. Get a lot of um, uh, comments from the males in the staff in the sports department. Um, yeah, it was really uh, quite annoying because I don't have a problem with ladies' football or ladies' anything. But now that you can see the manipulation you can see that it must have been manipulated to stop them playing and I think you did pick something out about the timing of the FA Cup didn't you in the ladies FA Cup final which was held at the weekend uh, Chelsea and Arsenal um, can you refresh my memory on what you found.
1: Rivings, yes, this was the uh, Women's FA Cup final held um, on Sunday, the 5th of December 2021. Um, It was the final from last year, which was postponed due to coronavirus, and Chelsea won it 3 0. Chelsea have done the triple uh, treble, apparently, um, for that season, but they beat Arsenal 3 0, so it was a London derby. But they chose the date of the 5th of December 2021 because it was exactly 100 years since the FA. Um, at the time banned at women's football and all of the players came out at the start of the match with um, the warming up kit and then it had the uh, they had the numbers um, 1921 written on the back um, because what the FA did in um, tw- tw- 1921 is they basically prohibited women's football um, in the sense that they were not allowed to play. At any registered football associations ground they had to go and find their own grounds which meant basically they're playing on um parks and things like that like like amateur football at the time um, women's football was actually quite big there was a team um Kerr ladies it was called who we've mentioned before um They were a factory team formed in Preston because at the time, all factories had teams, didn't they? It was a way that... Of course it was. um, Social clubs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Social clubs. And it still is very much like that at Ground Roots level, isn't it? Um, But this Dick Kerr ladies' team, they um, were the best team of the time. And they once drew a crowd, I think it was against Berry, but it was over 53,000 people. And when the First World War finished... The, the, because obviously there'd been not much men's football during that period of time because nearly all of the younger men at least were away at the war, weren't they? Um the women's game was actually getting more spectators than the, man, than the, the men's game. So the FA decided to ban them and this ban lasted for 50 years, right? And the, one of the excuses uh, that the FA gave was the game of football is quite unsuitable for females and ought not to be encouraged so they started off uh, women's football in the in England. They the first match was 1895, and it was the North against the South, and the North beat the South seven one. Obviously, because the best footballers come from the North, <laughs> and, all, and also seriously, the uh, the women's game started in the sort of like in pr- the Preston area, sort of uh, Eric's sort of neck of the woods, really, isn't it? That, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, they, they, they banned it. And if you look down the timeline, between 1921 and 1969, when they actually reformed a, a, a women's football association until 1971, when they were actually allowed to play at professional grounds again. Well, there's a massive gap. Well, and, what, I'm, and,
0: what I'm interested really in is the fact that you can now clearly see, not only are we manipulated now, but it's always been the case, Rob, and uh, you know there oh, has yes, oh,
1: yeah. always, it always has, yeah.
0: You know there has been the discrimination, but it's all be it's been unseen. So what we're seeing now, unfortunately, is uh, the the sort of um, oddball side of society coming to the fore. Whereas it was the mainstream that was all the ladies didn't get the chance to play football um, in the past. Uh, Rob, I've got to move on because I'm looking at the clock and I see we've gone 25 minutes and we've going to talk about uh, Jude Bellingham. Uh, this is a Borussia Dortmund player. He's 18 and he uh, was born in Stourbridge and he is the He's got the attention of people like Liverpool, Manchester United. I think um, he will move back, but he's playing in the Bundesliga and apparently he's just had a €40,000 fine from the German Football Association. Uh, do you know what that's about?
1: Well, yes, um, Jude Bellingham is a player that we're probably going to hear a lot more about, actually, Vince, Um because he's still only 18 years old. He's got 10 inter- international caps for England already. But he went from Birmingham City to uh, Borussia Dortmund, who are one of the top German teams, um, a couple of years ago, and I think it was about se- um, 17 or so. But at the weekend, um, they were in the Bundesliga, They um, Borussia Dortmund lost 3 2. And Jude Bellingham thought that the um, referee had made some um, unreasonable decisions. So in a public interview, he actually came out and accused this referee of uh, match-fixing. And he was fined €40,000, which is approximately £34,000, by the German Football Association. However, um, he criticised this guy. He's called Felix um, and the referee. And he was actually banned for six months in 2005 for a match-fixing scandal. So, um Jude Bellingham's comments weren't... The, they had a historical base, if you like. He shouldn't have said it, probably. Um He hasn't received a sanction of matches, but he's received a fine. But, yeah, this referee was actually suspended for six months uh, over Max,
0: F- Max Fitchin 15 years ago. OK, well, so, look, um, I'm, I'm looking at this. It's a single judge proceeding, by the way. So, it's one judge. What he actually said and after these dodgy decisions in an important game he said you give a referee that has a match fixed before the biggest game in germany what do you expect um you see the thing is again this is the problem with what's happening in society in a general sense don't forget my whole reason for doing this i'm looking at things in the media which are taking away the sense of making a rational comment you know, that what he said makes sense to me. If you've got a guy who has been guilty of match-fixing, fix, match um, OK, albeit 2005, but if you need the money again, if you're a gambler, you'll have a gamble. And as he said, with these dodgy decisions, you give a referee that has match-fixed before the biggest game in Germany, what do you expect? I'm afraid that makes a lot of sense. The trouble is, everybody now gets penalised for speaking sense.
1: Something that I can't understand about that story, Vince, is if a referee gets suspended for match-fixing, I think they should be banned for life. Because um, once you're caught doing it the first time and they allow you to come back as a referee, now a referee is one of the most crucial parts of a football match, if not the most – well, now Vars in Vars taking over. But a referee has a very, very important role and a trusted role in a football match. And if you've got a referee who's slightly suspicious, then obviously you're um, if he makes some decisions that you don't think are right. And I think Duke Billingham was right about the decisions that the uh, referee made. They were very unusual, and they led to Bayern Munich actually winning it. Um, it's it, Of course, there's no smoke without fire, if you like, even if the guy's now completely innocent. I don't see why, after being caught doing it once, you should be allowed to um, to play at that level again um, because you've botted your copybook, haven't you? No, nobody's going to trust him anymore. And um, he might have spoken out of turn, but he did have some sort of uh, reason
0: to do so, didn't he? Well, if people don't have opinions, then that's when dictatorships take over. And as I said, uh, that, from what I'm reading, was a single judge... Uh, in front of uh, somebody that was actually in the game and obviously knows what he was talking about, whereas the judge can only read about it, probably won't have the same sentiments and feelings and emotions because that's what the judicial people are supposed to keep away from. But anyway, um, Rob, I've got to keep an eye on the clock all the time, so one last comment.
1: Jude Bellingham, one more, just a last thing. I wasn't sure exactly what you would like to speak about him. I thought it might be that. But he is being searched after by a lot of Premier League teams and he might well be coming to you. He might well be coming to Liverpool.
0: Okay, well, that's interesting because it leads us nicely into what I saw last night. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about the Champions League because we've got too many things to talk about and that, when we come to the Champions League draw for the next round, will start making more sense. But I did watch Liverpool playing uh, Milan, as you'd expect me to. Uh, kept an eye on the other games for the results. But what really impressed me was the fact that Jurgen Klopp, they, he knew that his t- his team was through and they'd won the, the group. Uh, he played a lot of different players, he played a totally different team, yes he put Salah on, Marney was also playing but I mean he gave games to young lads who um, are coming through the system and I think he showed really good management in doing that, Liverpool won the game 2-1 um, very impressive, I thought that they contained Milan in an exemplary fashion and let um, Athletic de Madrid into, into the next round in the process um, yeah. ok did you pick up anything from the Champions League last night well Vince as you know we, you were watching the uh, Liverpool Milan match
1: and I went out to watch the uh, Atletico Madrid um, Porto match and Real Madrid against um, Inter Milan because they were playing at the same time and I was keeping touch with the Liverpool result but yes, the, Liverpool were already through. But the other teams in their group, which were um, AC Milan, Porto, and Atletico Madrid, were all competing for the second place. Um, Atletico Madrid didn't depend on themselves; they depended on Liverpool to beat um, to beat AC Milan and also to win their own match. Now, the match against Atletico Madrid or Porto was. An absolutely fantastic match. Actually, it was very, very physical. A lot of dirty play involved. But um, and Pepe, Pepe, the old guy from uh, Real Madrid, who uh, we spoke about many, many years ago. Now, he's still playing. He's still playing for a Porto. But um, yeah, they. Yeah, it, it ended up. It ended up one three. But it was. It was. Nil um, one to Atletico Madrid right up until about the 85th minute, and then it all kicked off. and There were there were three goals in the space of about five minutes. It was it was a really entertaining match to watch. And Atletico Madrid, as you say, Liverpool opened the door for Atletico Madrid. Although they did win their own match and go through in their own right, um, if if Liverpool hadn't
0: have got a result against AC Milan, Atletico Madrid would have been out. Okay, well, obviously it's uh, Klopp' his desire to uh, lock horns with Simeone again that really was what was going on there. Let's go to uh, Rob's La Liga because uh, it's looking as though uh, Barcelona. um, haven't really sorted out all their problems. They're going to be very much like Manchester United, unfortunately. Um, th- there's going to be a lot of work in progress for a while. So, uh, Xavi, obviously, has made a reasonable start. Uh, but uh, Betis spoiled the party. Tell us what else is happening as Real Madrid look to be heading uh, off with the um, the prize this year at this point in time. At this
1: point in time, they are, yes, Vince. Uh, now, just a the point about Barcelona... When uh, Xavi Hernandez took over Barcelona, they were 10 points behind Real Madrid. And he he implemented implemented new rules like two hours extra trading every day, no turning up late. They have to do things like cut the grass and things like that. And he's brought back the tiki-taka situation, that system of play. Now they're 16 points behind. So, yes, uh, they're not in a good situation at the moment. Barcelona. Real Madrid, I've got um, quite... A lead at the top at the moment. Um, They are playing really, really well. At the moment, they are eight points ahead of Sevilla. They've got uh, 39 points. we have got 31. Then we've got Betis, who beat Barcelona at the weekend, as you say. They are really going for it this season. They're in third place. Then we've got Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad and Real Vallecano, which is a bit of a surprise because they're recently promoted. And then we've got Barcelona in seventh. But Barcelona are not, are not looking very convincing. Um, they might well end up without a European place this season. We'll just have to wait and see. But Real Madrid at the moment are going really well. The local team to live, Elche, um, won at the weekend against Cadiz, which is another another relegation candidate. Um, they beat um, Cadiz 3-1, so Elche got three points, and actually leapt up the table by two or three places because it is very tight down at the bottom, like it's in the Premier League.
0: Uh, What about Valencia? Because we did have a lot of shenanigans going on there towards the end of last season. I do remember that uh, the owner's daughter spoke out of turn once and was uh, in the press for that. Um, And I think they're about 10th at the moment. So not looking good for what would have been. uh, Well, they've they've actually been the the league winners at uh, odd times, haven't they, Valencia?
1: Oh, Valencia, historically, are one of the top teams in Spain, yes. I mean, they, um, they've they been in Champions League finals. I think it was, they were in, the, was it the, tw- it was only a couple of years ago, was it 2019 Champions League final they in against Chelsea, I think. Um, but yes, last season they had a real howler. This season they aren't going too badly. They're in eighth position at the moment, one place below Barcelona. They beat Celta Vigo away from home at the weekend, but um, yeah, there are some uh, shenanigans going on at Valencia, and they're not the team that they that you would expect them to be. You would expect about their uh, Valencia at this stage in the season to be at least um, playing for a Champions League place, if not playing for La Liga itself.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Next, we go to uh, the review of the Premier League for last uh, week, and uh, I'm not going to go anywhere but to where you would be wanting to start, which is Leeds on the Sunday. You were playing Brentford. Now, when we look at our predictions, I thought Brentford would win this one and you thought Leeds would win it. So, uh, when I saw that uh, Brentford were winning after Leeds, I think, had opened the scoring, um, I was sort of thinking, oh, come on, Rob. You know, I I do want your team to do well. Um, I I do like to watch Bielsa squatting when everybody else is standing. Uh, So, I had a hunch that uh, the guy with the haunch would uh, eventually come good. So, uh, what was it? Was it the Patrick-Banford factor? Tell us about the game.
1: Right, well, uh, that that was quite, um, well, i say a stressful game for a a lead supporter and also for a Brentford supporter. Let's face it, Brentford have got supporters as well and probably very interesting for a neutral. Um, Brentford had a really good start to the season but they seem to be losing form, Leeds, as you know, we, we had a very, very dodgy start to the season with lots of injuries. Um, this, this weekend, we had Luke Ayling back for Leeds after nine matches away whilst recovering from injury. And Patrick Bamford started on the bench. And it was possibly Bamford who actually made the difference at the, um, to the result at the end. Leeds captain, uh, Liam Cooper, went off with a hamstring injury, which and Jack Harrison came on for him. But again, that's another injury. That's how a captain... it. it he, was, he wasn't um, injured in a tackle. It was just his hamstring went. So we're just waiting to find out uh, how he's going to be. But Patrick Bamford came on when Leeds were 2-1 down in the 68th minute. And he left it late. But um, he managed to get the equaliser in in 90 plus four. The crowd at Ellum Road went absolutely mad. Um, as did a certain Rob Daniels and probably many other people watching throughout the world who were Leeds supporters. Um They're not just a one-player team, but we really miss uh, Patrick Bamford, so welcome back to him. I I love the...
0: I love the anomalies in football because I remember earlier you were telling me that he's a very intelligent man. I remember going with um, Eric down at uh, the radio station and uh, telling him how stupid it is this business of taking your shirt off when you score a goal. I remember Eric, um, you know, defending the footballers and I'm saying, well, hang on. Why why don't the cricketers every time they take a wicket all strip off and twirl uh, their uh, cricket. Uh, gear around the heads I mean when all said and done you've lost Bamford for the last I don't know is it something like three months he scores a goal which is what he's paid yep. to do and then gets himself a yellow card for being stupid and taking his shirt off and twirling it round his head what's wrong with these people
1: right well he got the equaliser in the 94th minute Vince in his first match back after yeah a couple of months away um, and as I was, I was mentioned earlier on to you before we did the podcast I don't know about intelligence, but he's very well spoken, um, <laughs> he, he, speaks for, he speaks very clearly, and he actually said in his post match interview, he said, uh, my dad's going to have a right go at me for taking my shirt off, <laughs> but in the spur of the moment, he couldn't help it, but he actually admitted it afterwards, and he said, yeah, his, his dad's going to have a right go at him for that. Um so, yeah,
0: it's, it's a bit of an anomaly, but um, it's really good to see him back because yeah, look, I, it was I'm, quite a serious injury. I'm pleased that he came back. I'm pleased that he scored a goal, but I do think these guys want to remember the professional, that's what they paid a fortune to do. Um, it's not going above and beyond the, the line of duty. Let me go to the... He got, e-
1: the, equal, he got the equaliser in the 94th minute, in his first match back after three months away. Um It it, it was just the elation of the moment, especially because the whole crowd, the whole of Elland Road, and you know what home supporters are like. I mean, you're a Liverpool fan, so you know what the home supporters are like. It was just elation in the spur of the moment. And like I say, he admitted afterwards that his dad was going to tell him off for taking his shirt off. And he probably won't do it again. We'll have to wait and see.
0: Just answer me the uh, question. You, as a rugby man, uh, would, would be able to answer it better. But just if you have a rugby league player scoring the winning try at Wembley in front of a crowd... You don't find the rugby lead players taking the shirts off and twirling it round the heads. I mean, come on, Rob, it's bloody stupid. Let me just go on. Um, yes. West Ham against Chelsea, and you've got uh, a rather well. Chelsea, of course, they needed the points. The Liverpool, Manchester City, right on their heels, and there's the West Ham winner. Was it a cross? What is a shot? Whichever way, uh, David Moyes got a great victory. So um, three points lost by Chelsea. Great makes the um, makes the championship really come to life again, doesn't it?
1: Well, it puts well Liverpool earned their place, but it puts Liverpool at the top again,
0: doesn't it? So uh, no, no, Man there really City. Is a fight for the... No, Man City are top. Oh,
1: so, oh so, sorry, I think Liverpool were slapped for a few for a while. Yeah, but Man City are now top, and between the three of them, I mean, there's a real fight going on there. The final goal, if anybody hasn't seen it, it was uh, a guy called Arthur Baron Snacker. He, it looked like it was a cross, and he, he, he missed, he fluffed his cross. But he also um, outfilled the goalkeeper, if you like, as well, and it went in the back of the net. So uh, quite an unusual goal, but yeah, West Ham having a good season and it was a London derby. So they get the bragging rights, but also they take the top position off Chelsea.
0: Yep. And then, of course, uh, you then uh, had Liverpool were playing Wolves. Uh, Liverpool were banging them, you know, threatening to score. It didn't look like it was ever going to happen. And then uh, on comes Origi, who is now uh, becoming, uh, well, a name again, because basically he scored again last night in Milan. The one thing I will say about him, you say Patrick Banford's well-spoken. As a uh, Belgian guy, speaking speak in English. Uh- Irigi is a gentleman he's a really nice guy and uh, also what a loyal player of course the money helps but at the same time uh, when there are so many people that aren't loyal in the game I really do respect his attitude I think he's got a really nice attitude a nice work ethic and I'm really pleased and I hope as Salah and Mane go on their travels to the African Nations Cup I hope he comes good uh, because the one thing that we're looking at this year with Liverpool goals are coming from a lot of different places again, which is really healthy.
1: Yes, well, you left it till uh, the last minute as well. I think that was about 90 plus 5, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Too late. Origi's goal for, for Liverpool. Well, it, it, it went in in the regulated times period and Liverpool got the points, but yeah, you left it really, really late. Yeah, now th- this player, Origi, um, is quite unusual, isn't he? Because he's been at Liverpool for about five or six seasons now. And until that match, I think he'd only had um, about 14 starts or something like that. He'd come on as a a substitute quite a lot, but he'd stayed there patiently. As you say, the money helps, but um, he hasn't He didn't go to any other team. And I think he's been waiting for his opportunity. And he's got two goals in two matches now. So I think we should be seeing a lot more of him.
0: Hope so. Uh, Well, we went to the top, Liverpool. uh, We were feeling pretty good. But we did know, deep down, any true football fan would know Manchester City were always going to go and do a job wherever they go at the moment. They're playing some wonderful football. They went to Watford. Ranieri's got Watford playing reasonably well again but not good enough to beat Manchester City. They uh, went back to the table with a 3-1 win. How did we see it? Well, uh, I thought it would be 1-3 and you thought it would be 1-4. So we were both online for that one. You did well with your predictions. Um, I think you got 1-2-3-4. And I think I got uh, mm, 1-2-3-3. So you won on the predictions.
1: But you, you, but you got that score exactly right, Vince. You said Watford one, Man City three, so that counts as double if you like, <laughs> um, because you got you got you got that score exactly on. You're too yeah, kind. Ranieri, has, yeah, uh, has sort of uh, given confidence to uh, to Watford since he's been there, but. Man-, Man City As i say Man-, Man City Chelsea got beaten but uh Liverpool left it till the last minute but Man City are looking really really polished out of this season
0: they are a um, great team it's like you know One of the things we have to do, or I have to try to do always, is try to remain uh, as an observer. I will declare my colours, but I also, I'm always going to tell you when I think uh, another team is playing well, City are looking lovely. Um, Manchester United, on the other hand, they played Crystal Palace, And um, I thought it would be a draw. So did you. It was only 1-0. I wasn't very convinced with Manchester United. I didn't think they really looked worthy of even the the, the odd goal win. Um, Rangnick, okay, I don't know the man, but he's obviously good because he uh, apparently was a mentor to Klopp and to Tuchel, which are two of the greatest managers that we've got at the moment. Um, So uh, we'll wait and see. He's got a work in progress there, hasn't he?
1: Oh, he certainly has, but um, this was his first match in charge, actually, uh, Ralph Ranier. And he is a very well-known um manager in Europe, especially in Germany and in Eastern Europe. And it was him that he didn't invent the system, but the Gagan pressing, which is basically trying to get the ball, um back off if off the opposition when you're attacking and rather than going back to retreat in a defending position. He was the first person to actually bring that to Western Europe because it used to be um, played in in Dynamo Kiev used to play that kind of system. And it does work. And he played a 4-2-2-2, which meant that the the 2-2-2 part, if you like, they, they were all moving um, together as a unit, which is something that they didn't do under Solskjaer, that it seemed to be a team of individuals. But he has got a job on, hasn't he, really, at, uh, at Man United. Sir Alex Ferguson was there. He did expect to see a new manager's first match. But also, Dennis Law was there, the legendary Man U player from uh, the, well, the 1962 to 1973. So um, it was nice to see Dennis Law there as well. He's won his first match, uh, it was Brazilian Fred who got the uh, winner, and we'll just have to wait and see how uh, Ranjic can actually train his Manchester, City, uh, Manchester United sorry, team um, in the way that he wants them to play, but for his first match I thought they played quite well.
0: OK, well, I didn't think they played much differently to anything I've seen Carrick do. Um, so, uh, all I can say is I think the problem, if he's got this problem, which I think it is, uh, will be that I think he's got a number of lazy players there who feel that they don't have to run and do the press-in. So, we'll see what happens. Certainly, Ronaldo uh, put his work in, but it was noticeable that apparently he made far more pressing runs than he's ever done in any other game. Uh, in recent games so let's see how that one goes as we just look at uh, other odd fixtures because we only have another 13 or 14 minutes left as we look at Everton making a comeback against Arsenal Um, poor old Rafa Benitez he looked as if he needed that win and he certainly got it Everton came good the crowd were already walking out and making a protest against uh, current uh, form Uh, they went one down Everton did and uh, Arsenal looked as if they could win this one, but no. Uh, Arteta's team, who were so unpredictable, uh, they lost it 2-1. Good win for Everton.
1: Oh, that was a really good win for Everton. Um, They came back from 1-0 down. It was the Monday night uh, match. And as you say, Rafa Benitez um, was, was getting boos off the crowd over the last few matches because they have been going down in form a lot. Um, they got the winner in the 90 plus 2, there were quite a few late winners weren't they, it's, uh, well, late draws or late winners um, last weekend but it's a very very good result for um, for Everton especially because it came back from uh, 1-0 down and we'll just have to wait and see if uh, Rafa's fortunes
0: have turned Well when you say Rafa was getting booze off the crowd was it wine or spirits that's what I'd like to know and if it was wine was it with an H or without an H? Um,
1: i think it was with an it was with an h i think I mean, so they <laughs> they they were they were get, well they they aren't that far away actually at the moment but they were getting down into a p- possible relegation
0: battle Um, so it's still all to play for, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, come on, but the season's only a third of the way through. I think, quite honestly, uh, anything can happen, especially as uh, Liverpool are losing their two top strikers to the African Nations Cup. Let's go to the predictions then. Friday night's game, Brentford versus Watford. How do you think that one's going to pan out, Rob? Difficult one to predict?
1: It is a difficult one to predict, isn't it? And this, I think it's a sort of derby, isn't it? Because I know they're both sort of based around the London area. I think they're yeah. both north of London, aren't they? I think you're right. Um, yeah, uh, now, uh, Brentford is the first season in the uh, well, in the top fights for 47 years. But I think they will have played Watford um, since then because Watford have also been down the divisions. I would actually put this down as uh, a one-all draw, Vince. Uh, It's very difficult to call, so I've got it down as a one-all draw.
0: OK, I've got it down as a two-all draw. Man City are hosting Wolves. Wolves made life very, very difficult for Liverpool. Manchester City, oh, they seem to unlock everybody. OK, what do you think with that one?
1: I think Man City playing at home... Um, Wolves you say Wolves never give up they uh, hunting packs I think is what you say isn't it yeah. but um, they, they Wolves are a very strong team but City this year I can actually see City doing this
0: 3-0 OK well isn't that strange I've put 2-0 uh, as we go next to Chelsea playing Leeds oh dear oh dear oh, oh dear that doesn't look too healthy for uh, Leeds United um, what do you think
1: well, Chelsea, Chelsea got beaten last weekend, didn't they? Um, I, as you know, I'm, I'm not going to um, vote against Leeds. I'm going to go for a 2 old draw.
0: OK, well... Fingers I, crossed. I think you've got to go against your team if you feel deep down that, <coughs> you know, they're going to lose. I've put you down for a 2-1 win. Cause don't, look, when I say a, a result, I'm not lock, knocking a team... Unless they are really not performing. Your team always seem to be busy. They always seem to have spirit. I always want you to win, apart from when you play Liverpool, who are hosting Aston Villa. Stephen Gerrard, he's uh, already seen off um, Brendan Rodgers uh, in the Midlands derby last week. Will he get his uh, day at Anfield? Remembering Aston Villa beat Liverpool 7-2 last year. Goodness gracious me, if that will not raise the uh, blood levels for the Liverpool playing, nothing will. How do you see that one finishing?
1: I think Liverpool will win this um, 3-1, Vince, but it'll be interesting to see with Steven Gerrard now as the Aston Villa manager. Um, He'd met Brendan Rodgers as managers when they were in the uh, Scottish League when uh, Rangers and Celtic played. And they got one match each, but this is, I think, will be the first time. Well, it will be the first time that he's actually gone back to Liverpool as a manager for an opposing team. And um, I hope they'll give him a good reception. I'm sure they will because he was a loyal servant, wasn't he? Oh, well, but I think Liverpool will do this. Yeah, I think Liverpool will do this. I've got three one, didn't I?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I've only gone two one. I, I think that uh, Mings is playing some great football. Uh, Steven Gerrard. Great, great servant for the club. I think eventually he'll come back to us as a manager. Uh, But 2-1 for me. Arsenal are at home to Southampton. Now, they're not far from each other in actual fact um, in terms of geography. Uh, So will that affect any travelling or anything like that? Well, Southampton are good on the road anyway. So how do you think that one will go? Arsenal up and down. Southampton should be okay. What do you think?
1: I think that because Arsenal, um, they are a bit up and down, but they were very down at the beginning, weren't they? So now they're more up. I think Arsenal will be going for this because I think Arsenal want to, um, I think they go out to win every match. And Southampton, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I think Arsenal will do
0: this too. One, Vince. Okay. 2-2 for me. It's a two-all draw for me as we go to Norwich. Norwich must be getting desperate for the points. They don't think they've. I don't think they're a bad team. However, they're playing Manchester United. Don't forget, Manchester United have got this new uh, guru, so uh, he's got to get the results. So, um, where do you think Norwich will end up at the end of this game?
1: I can't see Norwich getting a result at this game, Vince. Uh, as you said, they don't seem to be playing badly, but neither did Sheffield United last year, and look what happened to them. Um and they've got this player I think it's called He's finish. And he's he shoots a hell of a lot, but he's he just hasn't quite got the final touch. And, and I think when United with the new manager, they're all gonna have to play for their places. I can see Man United possibly doing this nil two.
0: Okay, well funny enough, I've also got nil-two, so there we are, as we go to mm-hmm. Burnley up in the northwest. The Amers West Aim, they will be on the road. They've got to travel all the way up to the northwest of uh, the uh, England, where of course uh, they'll be able to put on their bubble hats, probably their gloves, possibly their tights. Uh, but whichever way, it's going to be a humdinger of a game. Sean Dyche—he doesn't need anything like that. He can walk out in the absolute freezing cold in his shirt sleeves and maybe a bit of snow. What do you think that one will end up as?
1: They might well have a bit of snow up there, mightn't they, Vince, depending on how this um, storm that they're suffering in the north of Europe goes. A couple of weeks ago, their match was called off, wasn't it, because of Snow Burnley? Um, And Sean Dyche was out there inspecting the pitch in his shirt sleeves. As you say, the short sleeve shirt. I only think, although West Ham are having a brilliant season, Burnley got beaten last last weekend by Newcastle, and I think they'll be wanting to go out and prove themselves. I think Burnley could do this
0: uh, 2-1. Okay, well, I think it'll be 2-2. I think this is going to be a good game. Um, But we'll go next to Leicester, where Brendan Rodgers will still be scowling by the fact that, obviously, uh, Steven Gerrard took the points uh, last week. However, the visitors in Newcastle Newcastle under Eddie Howe. Um, his uh, his pockets are sagging with money. There's money coming out from all that you see at Newcastle. But you don't see the football and you don't see the scores. However, um, they have had a win. Where do you think this one will end?
1: They have had a win, haven't they? It was the first win of the season um, last week against Burnley. But he's got money Coming out of his pockets, as you say, is sort of, he hasn't been able to spend any of it yet. So he's still got the same squad. And although they have got a few decent players, they are not in a good position at the moment. And Brendan Rodgers, as you say, he'll be smart enough to that uh, loss last week. And I think
0: Leicester will do this 3-1. OK, I've got it down as a 2-1 to Leicester. Uh, Brighton Tottenham could well maybe be called off however if the game goes ahead uh, they've got about five or six players that have got the Covid uh, test and can't play Um, so uh, if we'll go ahead with, with the prediction as it stands bear in the back of your mind that the tottenham will tottenham side will lose five players minimum to the covid restrictions um i'll put it down for a draw i'm going to stick by that even though i've now given myself that information again what do you think
1: i have also seen that information vince um spurs are going to have a, weak, a weakened squad aren't they um but even so if the match does go ahead i've got it down as a one all draw um i not i'm not sure with the covid situation how many players they have to have fit but um I think they've got a squad. I think they'll they'll probably have to play the match. But I've got it down as a 1-0.
0: And I've got it down as a 2-2 as we go to, uh, not Desmond, of course, or nothing to do with ballet, but a 2-2 draw as we go to the last minute. Can we get it in? Crystal Palace at home to Everton. Everton, Rafa Benitez will have a big beam all the way down from Goodison Park down to Crystal Palace's ground. However, will he be smiling coming back? What do you think?
1: I don't think he will be smiling. I think that uh, that win that they got um, last weekend, it might it might make them slightly overconfident, I would say. And Palace are looking quite
0: solid under Patrick Vieira. I've got it down as a 3-1 to Palace. OK, I've got it down as a 1-1, I think... Uh, once Everton get their strikers back, they they're not a bad team. Come on, you know uh, people panic at the wrong times. Uh, having said that, Rafa knows that he he needs money to spend, and apparently they're not going to spend it. So again, he's back in the situation where he was at Newcastle, where you know people knew they know he's a good manager, but if you don't have the resources, then obviously your team's always going to struggle. However, we've got through some very good topics again. Um, It is noticeable, by by the way, the number of uh, footballers and athletes that have been dropping down after having their COVID jabs. Um, Very, very disturbing. I was reading a report on that. Um, Apparently, it is of a great worry and it's not being properly reported in the media. Uh, Rob, I'm going to give you the last minute. Take it. Take this minute. Do with it what you will. (laughs)
1: right Vince well it's been been another enjoyable one today hasn't it Um, we seem to get through a lot in uh, the space of an hour don't we Um, well let's just hope that this Covid thing this new variant isn't as it's obviously spreads faster but let's hope it isn't as powerful um, as the others and that less
0: people get it Um, so yeah let's just hope for the best all right, Rob, thanks very much indeed. You have a good, safe, safe week and look forward to chatting with you uh, this time next week.
1: My pleasure, always, Vince.